Picasso Apostle Podcast. All right, welcome to our Paso Paso Podcast, also known as Paso a Podcast. Uh, we have here Valeria. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yes. Hello, everyone. My name is Valeria Santiestevan, and I am the new director here at Los Angelitos Early Intervention Services in Taos. Wonderful. And uh, obviously, with Apaso Podcast, we largely focus on organizations and individuals who are based in Taos, New Mexico, and that's where we all are now. Uh, just to start out with some basic questions to uh, help people understand your services more, um, what is, the once again, the name of your organization, and where is it located? Okay, so we are Los Angelitos uh, Early Intervention Services, and we are located on 1030 Salazar Road here in Taos, New Mexico, and we're the building right next to the DMV. Great. And uh, what sort of services does your organization provide? Okay. Uh, we provide early intervention services and supports for families of children ages 0 to 3 who have or are at risk of a development delay or disability. Uh, services are provided at no cost to families using a combination of Medicaid, state general funds, Individuals with Disability Education Act grant, and private health insurances. Okay. So for families that you work with, are they normally referred to your program or do they reach out to you? Um, they could be reached out. Um, they could be referred by their uh, doctors, teachers, parents themselves could reach to us if they have any concerns with their child's development. Um, and do you have a website or a phone number or what is the easiest way for parents to get in touch with you if they do have a question like that? If they do have a question, so they can reach out to me. Um, our number is 575-758-4274. Um, my extension is 127. Or if they want to send an email as well, they could reach me at bpolanco at eladc.org. Uh, that's my email, bpolanco at eladc.org. Yeah. Um, so any concern regarding their child's development, uh, many times pa parents reach out because they have concerns that their child is not talking or not talking right, or maybe that they're not um, crawling. So any basic little concerns that they might have. And many times they also share them with their doctors. So then their doctor will right away make a referral to us. So if a family is involved in your program, what does that look like? Do they have a meeting once in a while with some of your staff or, or what do they get involved in? So the way it looks is that our team, um, so the team provides a family-centered early intervention services in the child's natural environment, such as their home or the any other community setting. Uh, services include supports from a team of professionals, including a development specialist, a physical therapist, and a speech therapist or any other uh, professional, depending on the child's need. And it also depends on the child need how often we meet. So it could be maybe once a month or there's other children that we see once a week for an hour. 
you know, right now everybody's experiencing COVID-19 and the various ways that that puts stressors on families and changes people's um, employment. Um, but has COVID uh, changed at all your services or how do you kind of adapt to that nowadays? So we've had to adapt to a new uh, procedure. So we continue to provide services to a community under a presumptive eligibility since we are not allowed to do in-person visits and complete an evaluation for the child. The team still supports the family via Zoom or through phone calls, um, but it's all under a presumptive eligibility. Great. And does that kind of mean that um, your organization assumes that if someone's reaching out, that they would qualify automatically at this time? Yes. Uh huh. And what that means, too, is that whenever COVID is lifted, whenever that is, then we'll go in person and complete an, an evaluation to determine if the child qualifies for our services. Cool. Thank you very much for all that. Um, you know, so this is a, a series of interviews that we're doing, as you know, for Paso Paso, um, Early Childhood Network here in Taos, New Mexico. And um, we're also uh, recording these to be played on KNC 93.5 FM. Um, you've shared a lot of great information about your organization and how people can contact you and uh, the community members you serve. You know, what are kind of the most fun or like most frustrating parts of working in, uh, in, in the work that you and your staff do that you might want to share some insight on? Well, I got to say that it's very fun um, interacting with children, with little babies or infants and their parents and just trying to support them as best as we can with whatever the need is. Um, I did forget to mention that we do work with children from zero till they're three years old. Once they turn three years old, then we help them transition to the public schools so that they could continue receiving services. And it's just really fun just interacting with them, seeing how um, sometimes they might not be doing something. And after working with them for a couple of weeks, we start noticing or the parents share that they have noticed improvement in their development. So I think that's always something really nice to see. And that's pretty much, I guess, what one of the things that, that families um, gain or benefit from being involved in your program, it sounds like, is the opportunity to have someone that is um, used to paying attention to ch child development um, help with some ideas and identify some things that might be helpful for the parent to use while they're at home? Yes. Uh -huh. So we always try to, um, you know, give them different ideas or sometimes even model ways that they can interact with their child um, during their daily routines, you know, um, and then if they're not at home, we also interact like with the daycares and to help the providers at the daycare with different activities or ideas that they can do to support the child. Wow. So does that mean that if a parent has their child in a daycare or early childhood setting here in Taos um, and they're also receiving your services, then some of your staff can go to the daycare uh, once in a while to meet them there? Yes, that is correct. Um, because, you know, a lot of our families do work. So, and the natural environment of the child is that they're at the daycare most of the day. So we would go to the daycare and provide services there. But we also would like um, to at least once a month interact with the parent. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I imagine that having the parents um, involved in, in this process with their children is really important. It's I, I imagine it's not as though... Uh, when your staff meet with a child, that that's the only work, you know, you expect 
to be done with the child, but it needs that follow-up from the parent, right? Yes, Mm -hmm. because I think it's uh, the importance of keeping that communication within all the different parties or the different places the child is at. Yeah. And so it's the goal of the program to initially help the child and the parent, but then also provide the parent with some skills that allows for them to kind of take over from there as, as the child grows older. Is that accurate? Yes. So, yeah, we try to, like I said, we try to teach parents um, and support them in their child's development and hope that they become their child's advocate and do all the, you know, different activities or different uh, strategies that we might teach them. Yeah, I think it's really cool that you mentioned um, encouraging the parents to become an advocate for their child. I know that some parents, um, you know, as a parent myself who has kids in the schools and things and went to early childhood centers here, um, it seems like some adults, you know, and some parents um, find it easier to advocate for their children than others. Um, And I think that's awesome. That sounds like you work with the parents to encourage them to do that. Is it hard for some parents to feel comfortable speaking up for what they think their child needs? Sometimes it can, you know, especially if they're not understanding what the situation really is or what their child is going through. Um, But like, again, we try to support them as much as we can, because once that child does reach the age of three, we're not going to be there. And so it's important to be able to teach the parents um, those skills for them to advocate. Your organization spends a lot of time speaking with parents who are both um, primarily English and first language um, as a primary language, Spanish speaking uh, family members um, and community members. Is that part of it as well? Is that sometimes I imagine your organization might help people who may face a language barrier? And, and I wonder if that's something that, that they run into. Sometimes, yes. Um, we, uh, like I said, we are a bilingual agency. So we do have providers who speak Spanish to specific to support those families, uh, especially with um, interacting with sometimes the public schools. Um, but even though the public schools do have their own translators. Um, but again, if that is the child's primary language is Spanish, we will support the family with that language. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to mention that um, when you and I spoke before recording this, um, we also discussed the possibility of recording one in Spanish. And although I have taken some Spanish and know a little bit, I definitely am not fluent. Um, but uh, for those listening to this, maybe what we'll do is we can re-record another version where you can answer in Spanish and that might be something we can uh, also create. Sure. I am totally open for that. Have you been working for the organization for a long time? Because I know that you've recently kind of changed your positions there. Is that right? Yeah, that is right. So yes, I've been working here. Um, This is actually going to be my fifth year in October. Um, So I started working just as a development specialist and family service coordinator. And um, this year in October, it'll be five years and just at the beginning of July, I got the new position as the director here. We're really happy to have you um, in that role and 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 uh, as a part of the Paso network and meetings. Um, I know that you know. Speaking about COVID, our meetings have changed recently. Obviously, they're all on Zoom and kind of not as personal as they had been. But um, if you could speak or share a little bit with us about what is the environment like um, for you know, providers and um, individuals who work with young children in Taos, do you feel like it's a pretty um, welcoming environment that has enough services or are there some gaps in services that you feel would um, benefit uh, your clients and and your staff more? Or or how do you feel kind of 
with respect to what's available to families here in Taos? Well, I think um, having just the Apostle Apostle meetings, I think they're really great because the whole community who is involved with working with children in Taos or in Taos County um, comes together and we kind of could brainstorm of what we could work towards or what things are already available so we so we don't like overlap services many times I feel. Um, and like I said, I just took this position. And so I just been to a couple of the Apostle Apostle meetings, but so far the ones that I've been attending, at, I think, you know, it's just nice having a group of people that are so invested in the child's, um, just the, the, over, the overall of the child and what, it, what sources could be used to support them. Are there any other organizations that you uh, that your organization collaborates with um, in supporting families? I know you mentioned the Taos schools, but I was just curious if there's some others that you interact with often or not. Yes. Um, so we do um, also sometimes if it's um, beneficial for the family or the family is interested, uh, we do send referrals to First Steps or to Tiwa Babies. Um we also uh, collaborate really closely. We get referrals a lot from the Taos Children's Clinic here in Taos. Um, we have a really nice communication with the doctors from there. And then we also, um, we received a, a lot of referrals also from um, the CYFD office as well. We can support the families during those times. And then we work really closely with the New Mexico School of Death from Santa and also the New Mexico School of the Visually Impaired and Blind. Is there anything else you'd like to share about your organization or that um, you want people to know out there? Um, just I want to let them know that if they ever just have any concerns or any questions regarding their child's development, we're here to support them. Um, again, just reaching out to me. Um, as well, I also wanted to let them know that right now, because of COVID, we do have our play group closed, but we also have a play group uh, that is from from ages two to to their fifth birthday. It's just half a day from eight to twelve a.m., and it's usually from Mondays through Thursdays. And right now, we're working to see if there is that need in the community. Um, and again, how can people reach out to you if you wouldn't mind sharing a phone number or website? Yes. So again, my name is Valeria Santisteban. Our office number is 575-758-4274. My extension is 127. My email is bpolanco at eladc.org. Thank you so much, Valeria. Los I really appreciate you sharing all that information. And um, thanks for all the work you do and have a great day. Okay. Thank you. Paso a paso. <laughs> podcast.